Good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is February 3rd, 2022. I'm so glad you could join us today. My name is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and uh, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. That's our goal, our objective, uh, to advance the truth of Jesus, but also to speak truth in a world that is really full of a lot of deception. We talked a little bit about some of that yesterday uh, about how people had been misled by the director of the uh, NIH, uh, Collins, uh, and he actually went in and used evangelical leaders to spread COVID, COVID propaganda to churches and convince them that uh, it was really unloving not to get vaxxed. It was unloving to question the mask. And um, I'm just excited because today's Thursday guest day, and uh, we have a friend of mine as well as somebody who's operated on me as well as somebody who I trust and trusted long before any of this COVID stuff came out, Dr. Lee Merritt. Dr. Merritt, welcome back to SWAT Radio. How are you? Hey, fine. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to have you back on, and uh, sorry about the hiccup uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I'm glad that we finally got you on. Uh, You know, I have constantly referred back to one of the first interviews that we had with you. And uh, that interview came about because one of my SWAT guys had seen a video of you um, talking about COVID and the MNRNA and all that stuff. And everything that you pretty much predicted has come to pass. I mean, it's just unfolded exactly like you said. And so I would like to revisit a little bit of that for people because some of the people listening today may not have heard that. We got people listening in Virginia, up in Virginia Beach, in Meridian, Mississippi, in Georgia and Florida, and through the Internet. And so I want to go back to, to two years ago. Uh, you're an orthopedic surgeon. Your dad was a doctor. Your son's a doctor. Uh, you have lived, breathed, <laughs> eat, slept medicine. Uh, you were in the Navy. You were a a bioweapons researcher. You were an orthopedic surgeon. And how in the world did you get involved with all this stuff with COVID as far as being knowledgeable about that? If somebody goes, well, she's just an orthopedic surgeon. How does she know anything about this? Kind of take us through how you got involved. Well, yeah. First of all, you know, uh, just being an orthopedic surgeon means that after medical school, after four years of medical school where you study basic science, biochemistry, biology, virology, blah, 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 then, you, then I spent five years of education in orthopedics, but I also, uh, you know, continued education. You don't just stop learning science. You learn how, you, you, we write papers. We do research. We know how to read the scientific journals. And then I did a year beyond that of fellowship and it teaches you something about how to look at science. And it also made me a little bit skeptical about government, anything. <laughs> so yeah. there is that. But I, uh, I also served on the Navy research advisory committee where I sat next to, you know, the, the former heads of, of, of like the Navy and, you know, retired admirals, generals, the CEOs of big defense contractors and people like that. And uh, got a little flair for some of the, the defense issues that we face. 
And then after that, I've just been in medical practice for, you know, I've been in medicine now a total of 45 years, so I've done a lot of of, uh, patient care. And, uh, you know, I, when this thing first came out, I had already been somewhat, what I want to say, somewhat read into the program about bioweapons because I've met people along the way when I started doing some personal research on, on the issues and some of it through the NRAC, I looked at, at some things, you know, we, we had a, we've, we've had issues with, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of bioweapons programs we don't hear about, of course. It's mostly top secret. But we, although we claim to have gotten rid of our offensive bioweapons program in the 1970s when Nixon signed the treaty, it's very clear to me, and I think to a lot of people, that that isn't completely the whole story. You know, the Soviets turned right around and made the biggest bioweapons program known to mankind after that. Do you think we just sat on our thumbs? No, I think partly we offshored it. But there were a lot of things going on in medicine that raised the specter that there were some, you know, what, what's really happening here? Remember the anthrax deal, and then they tried to pin it on these guys at USAMRID. Well, I, I got to meet one of those guys, and, you know, I got to kind of, he, he would, I would always call him, and I'd say, hey, um, should I look at this one when SARS came out? And he said, nah, that's not going anywhere. I said, when MERS came out, should I look at this one? He said, nah, don't look at that. But when, he, when this one came up, he said, yeah, I should take a look at that. So I started following this very early in December, like right about December 15th of 2019 because, yeah, 19, because um, I knew something odd was going on. I was watching the films coming out of China. Uh, I got pretty good at using the Internet and searching out videos and and things that were sneaking out. And and whatever was happening, what was clear to me was – the, the doctors were scared. The doctors didn't really know what was going on either. And the things they said and the things they did made me realize they were not prepared for this. Whatever we want to think later on, how this all came out, whatever, there were people on the ground dealing with this in China that were not uh, part of some takedown. Now, that doesn't mean there wasn't a big psyop going on, too, but that's kind of how I got into it. And then I just started reading. I had to, I had to educate myself about a lot of things because, quite frankly, even though I've lived in a mask all my life, I thought, did I miss something about masks? I didn't think they worked for these little tiny particle viruses. <laughs> and it's gotten even crazier since then. If you look at what's gone on over the period of time, um, one of the things, in fact, I just I, I just had a fun interview the other night. I interviewed Patrick King, who's one of the leaders of the truck convoy in Ottawa, to okay. find out what was going on up there. But he was also the guy... When, when I, I asked him, I said, no, wait a minute, are you the same Patrick King that took on the province of Alberta over the over the mandates? He was in a crowd of 10 people and or, or over 10 people. And see, this is the other thing that made me start thinking, this is not about virus. This is not about disease or wellness or taking care of us. Because, number one, they're not telling us all the things that could really help if this really is a virus. And number two, they're doing stupid things like you're dangerous in a crowd of 11 but safe in a crowd of 10. Really? You know, you, you, you look back and you say, how can that be science? That's not about that's not about control of, a, of an infectious disease. That's about people control for some reason. Mm-hmm. So early on, it, early on, I realized they were lying to us about these, these uh, well, trust the science, wear your mask in the, in the shower. You know, it was that kind of nonsense. I mean, you're, you're, you have to wear a mask six feet into the restaurant, but then you're safe to take it off to sit at the bar, <laughs> Any, you know, to sit at a table. But if you stand up, you're suddenly dangerous. You have to put your mask on to go to the restroom. 
Don't tell me that's about contagion control. And I defy anybody in infectious disease or the specialists that are supposed to be involved in this to tell me that that's really about contagion control. But you see, they're all working for hospitals that are all bought by the NIH funding. So there's a lot going on here that have absolutely nothing to do with disease, but it does help to have a medical background to, to deal with the disease. But I always, but I told Patrick King, I said, the reason I think that you were able to, because what he did, by the way, was he, he, he went, he was being charged for, with, he had a $1,200 fine simply for being in this non-infectious crowd. Nobody, nobody was getting sick here, but he, he was in a crowd of over 10 people. They were going to cite him and charge him for $1,200. Well, he just went to the court and he said, that he wanted to subpoena um, Henshaw, Dina Henshaw, the, the chief medical officer of Alberta, and have her prove to him there was actually evidence that this existed, that SARS-CoV-2 virus had been isolated. Now, I, when I heard this story, I thought, this was, what, 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 this was probably um, in, like in 2020, in September, October, something like that. I said, You've got to be kidding me. We've been dealing with this now for a year, and we don't have an isolate of the virus. And that does appear to be true. He, he, had, they, he forced them to admit to the court, to the judge, that they could not produce an isolate of the virus. And subsequently, he's helped them. He's helped Ireland and some other countries also go through that process and prove that their countries don't have an isolate of the virus. Our CDC does not have an isolate of the virus. And it gets even weirder when you learn from people like Thomas Cowan and, and Andrew Kaufman, very smart physicians who also are not a virologist, but who point out the nonsense of the science of virology that we've accepted. I mean, we think it's, it's crazy to think there might not be viruses, but, but when you really delve into this, this thing gets deeper and deeper that, that the, 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 one of the big anti-human points here it's to separate us right everybody yeah. can, should be able to see that we have to wear a mask so we can't see each other's faces anti-human we have to stand six feet apart so we can't touch each other anti-human we have to lock down in our house and not travel because we don't want to have and then people like fauci and uh essentially all these people say you can't get into a crowd you can't have thanksgiving in your house so you can have halloween but you can't have christmas well and you see you know, the hypocrisy of the leaders the government leaders know <laughs> Because they're sure. they're violating the very things they're telling us to do. I mean, they're all violating. Well, they're out dancing in the streets. They're out partying. They're out having, you know, the uh, uh, Biden's inaugural party. Nobody was wearing a mask. They were all touching each other and hugging. And and at the time, they're telling us we need to be in uh, wearing a mask and standing six feet apart and can't be in a group of ten. What? You know, and that's so it's very it's very obvious when you take a look at it that, that we're being lied to. The issue is really how deep does this lie go? And I would say at this point in time, I didn't start out there. I started out believing viruses were always, as I was told, in, in virology and in medical school and such and such. And that and that basically they, you know, at first I thought, oh, these guys are just blundering through this and they're not doing the right things, but they're making mistakes. And then I realized they can't be mistakes because they're too consistent they've not done you know on random chance alone the guys at the nih and, and cdc and fda should do something in our interest and they never do anything in our interest Ed, through this whole thing well this so, you know final yeah go ahead well i was just going to say uh you're talking specifically about dealing with the COVID issue right they've just they've they've completely mishandled it yeah you know 
But again, the issue of viruses and my point about this being an anti-human agenda, the thing that drives it is the belief that even asymptomatic people, which that's something that Drosten lied about the, the, uh, in Europe about the first you know, asymptomatic transmission, that's a huge lie that's never been proven. In fact, transmission, human to human, has never been proven. Um, but these, the, the, big, the big lie that is damaging us probably more than anything is the idea that you and I, when we're breathing, breathe out these little flying unicorns that are unique and that might give disease to somebody else that just happens to be in the same room. That somehow being seven feet apart helps uh, stop that or putting a mask on helps stop that. This is all a, a worldview that simply is not right. It really is not right. And if you go back in time, you'll find that they never proved isolation or transmission. Of, they couldn't isolate it back then. It was a virus. But they, they never proved transmission of the pandemic flu. They tell us it's an influenza virus. They claim it is, mm-hmm. but they've never proven transmission. They tried, they put, for lack of a better term, here's a, here's a non-scientific, but it's kind of everyday term, they took the snot and the lung goo from people that were dying of influenza, and they put it in the nose and mouth of people that were healthy. They couldn't transmit it. They had people that were in the bed sick to death with this sneeze and cough on other people. They couldn't transmit it. They literally spun this stuff down from their noses and mouths and, and lungs and, and injected it into volunteers. They couldn't transmit it. Horses were getting sick in 1918. They put it, so, so we'll cut out the psychologic potential here. We put, we put some kind of like feed bags on a sick horse, let him sneeze all over it, let him cough on it, germs theoretically get in that. We put it on a well horse, didn't transmit it. What's going on here? So the idea that this is a highly transmissible airborne disease, I think is completely unproven. At the most, at the least we can say is it's completely unproven. At the most we can say, they know it's not right. It's a lie that's being used against humanity. Well, so and what are people a, getting sick with then? Like, I mean, the people that are... Right. It's not that they're not getting sick. Okay. You're right. We don't say they're not getting sick. But you see, if, if I were in the, in the business of depopulating the world and harming people and killing people, I wouldn't want you to know what it's really happening, right? If I'm an assassin, I don't want to shoot you in the chest right in front of a crowd of people. Everybody would see that you were the guy. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better to come up with something that you're not expecting? And, and, dis, and it's like the magician. I wave my left hand so you're not paying attention to my right hand. So it turns out that we don't have an isolated virus. The entire, the entire genome is made on a computer with lots of holes in it. And, and it turns out like we produced, we produced a lot of fear. But let's just point out that, yes, some people are dying, and we're going to talk about that. But let's just point out, in 2020, the death rate from COVID and the whole world, when you looked at they can skew the death rate from any disease. They can, if, as we know, they were getting paid more for putting COVID on the death certificate or putting, co- putting labeling people COVID. They got bonuses. There's money driving that diagnosis. So that can get skewed. But what cannot be lied about easily is all-cause mortality. And let's just look at those numbers right now. All-cause mortality meaning what doesn't matter what you died from, let's just count the death certificates. And it turns out worldwide, the all-cause mortality in 2020 was 7.612 per thousand. That is less than the all-cause mortality every year from 1950 to 2015. So there was no big death count in 2020. Now, that doesn't mean that some people weren't dying in an unusual way. Okay. 
but they we did not have a pandemic by numbers. Now, something else is happening in 2021. And so in 2021, we've gotten government data from the ONS, the Office for uh, National Statistics in England, and we just recently had the CEO of an Indiana Life um, uh, or an insurance company in, in Indiana re- reveal that not only his company, but other companies have noticed they have actuaries. It's their job to predict death and to predict you know, hospital costs and all these different things, whatever it is they're insuring you for. But just looking at prediction of death, he said in 2021, their all-cause mortality is, was up 40%. 40% more people died on average in 2021 than did in 2020. And what's the difference between those two years? The vaccine. Other than the vaccine program, <laughs> do you come up with anything else? Exactly. So so let's just look at this. What happened is we had a we have a a nanoparticle. Let's call it a nanoparticle. It's a little bit of genetic material that's wrapped in a an lipid coating and can make you sick or kill you. That's also what we call a virus, by the way. We call that a tiny bit of genetic material wrapped in a lipid coating that can get into your nose or your ears, or uh, I mean your eyes or your mouth or something, and make you sick or kill you. That's what we think viruses are, if they exist. But, but, but what we do know is that we can, since we are in the world of synthetic biology now, we can create these things. We can take, for example, from a bat, uh, we can take a little bit of genetic material. We can take it to a lab or multiple labs. We can use gain-of-function research and insert things into that piece of genetic material and then make it deadly to humans. In this case, we know from Prashant Pradhan and a bunch of other researchers that there were the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 is all you need to make you sick. You don't need this huge theoretical virus that, that's attached. All you need is this little nanoparticle, the S1 and S2 subunits, of the SARS-CoV-2. And in there are four inserts from the human immunodeficiency virus, we call it, the HIV that theoretically causes AIDS. What are they doing in this? They don't exist in any coronavirus they've ever claimed existed in nature before, and there are lots of them. They don't exist in SARS or MERS or anything else we've ever seen, but there are four inserts into this spike protein, and they don't vary from case to case. When they look at the the gene bank, they're always invariant, meaning they were put there, okay? This is the, there's so much evidence that this is a man-made nanoparticle that's, that's toxic. Now we can call that what we want, but that's what, that's what started this whole thing off. I personally don't think it's airborne. I personally think it was spread by contact. And we have lots of evidence to back that up, which I don't have time to go into right now. But the second phase of the war against us was a PSYOP. So after this thing came out and started making people sick and killing them, it's kind of fizzled out after it went through three three major areas. It went through Wuhan, it, then they could spread it, for example, in, in Lombardy, Italy, and then New York City. But if, if it had really been airborne, it would have ripped through Philadelphia and Omaha and Paris, France. It wouldn't have stopped at those three areas. But after that, the, the, the other rates of death and destruction where it went just kind of petered out. It slowly petered out in nature. Well, and then when the death curve was going down, what happened? They started counting cases. And cases since the time of Hippocrates have always been sick people. But suddenly, a case was a positive test. Now, the tests they were using, these PCR tests, which we know for a fact were never, ever, ever designed for this. They are only designed for lab use when you know what you're looking for. They are not designed for unknowns. And 
even when you, even if they were done that way, these, they overcycled the test to produce false positives. And then even worse than that, the FDA withdrew those tests. How many people know the tests that they were be giving, being given by their doctor, by their hospital, by their work, by their home testing, whatever, these PCR tests were withdrawn from the market on, Jan, on July 31st of 2021. They were taken off the market, but they didn't stop using them until the end of December. And I think they're still using them. So a false test to drive the numbers up to make people afraid. And what was the point of that? So people would run out and take the vaccine. Now, what are these vaccines? They're not approved. They're emergency use authorization. All the things that we were concerned about theoretically from reading the basic science have come to pass and then some. And they were designed, we found later, these were, they have a name for these things. They're not really vaccines. They're called viral-based genetic therapies. This is a circular the FDA put out to its researchers in 2015. And they tell you all about these things. They say they shed on people. They cause damage. Um, don't let them, don't let people that are in your studies for these as genetic agents be around the newborns or around elderly or around people with immune compromise. They knew that. But they lied to us and they said, oh, no, if you've got immune compromise, you should run and get this vaccine. And what's in the vaccine? Okay, there are a lot of things we don't know. But the one thing we do know, it's, it makes the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2. Now, we just got done saying, I just got done saying, the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 was a man-made nanoparticle, toxic nanoparticle, made in the lab, gain-of-function research, made in multiple labs around the world. And we know that. It's been patented. David Martin found the patents on these things. Every part of that, the fur and cleavage site, the HIV inserts, everything was patented before 2018, according to him. So if that's a bioweapon, which by definition it is because it makes you more sick than what's in nature, if that's a bioweapon, if that spike protein is a bioweapon, then so is the vaccine because it's the same nanoparticle. And here's the big difference. They told us, oh, you know, you need to take to your basement and wear 10 masks and wash your hands 30,000 times a day because a few of these spike proteins getting into you can make you really sick and, and kill you, and then you could spread it to other people. But don't worry. We have a new vaccine technology that's going to produce trillions of the very same spike proteins in your body, and we're 95% sure it's safe and effective. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the narrative we were sold in 2021. And as that thing rolled, as we rolled out the vaccines, the so-called vaccines, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, although the death count worldwide did not go up in 2020, and most states did not have a significant mortality increase, no new in America. I can tell you in 2020, no new cemeteries were built. We didn't have a need for new mortuaries or anything. But in 2021, 40% increased cause in mortality, all-cause mortality. Things are happening. Mm -hmm. And it, and if you look around the world, wherever the vaccine goes, death and destruction follows. You know, Israel is a perfect example of, of probably the most highly, I think it's number one, at least at the top four of vaccinated countries. And it's also in the top of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Every place it goes is a high. And, but, but conversely, in one of the, I can't remember if it was Nigeria or one of the African countries, only 6% of the people are vaccinated, and they have a very low COVID rate right now. Well, I, now, I got two questions know, for you. I want to I ask you before we go to the break. we got a break for the half hour. Real quick, one, um, you said this a couple of years ago when we interviewed you. You said the cure is going to be worse than the disease. You, you, you predicted that, and you said we're going to see increase in cancer. Uh, the, the military thing that just came out said there was a 300% 
increase in military cancer diagnosis after the vax uh, this past year. And so here's my question. One of the narratives that people are saying out in the world is, well, I got the vax and there's no, you know, I haven't experienced anything. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, and they're using that and spreading that to everybody that, hey, they've got the vax and they haven't noticed anything. Yeah, I got sick initially, but I'm fine now. You know, so how... how That's the Russian roulette argument. (laughs) That's the Russian roulette argument. You know, I I got six bullets. I got six chambers and I've got one bullet in there. So five times out of six, I'm not going to get shot. Okay. We know that all these vaccines are not the same. Mm-hmm. And and when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk about the Pfizer experiment, post-marketing experiment to look at the lethality of their vaccines on us. They're experimenting on us, and that's provable. Uh, this is something that a Dutch researcher brought out, and Michael Yeadon has really uh, run it to ground. And that's what's going on. So, yeah, people can say all that, but I ask, I can tell you my own experience in, in, in the same way. These people say nothing happened to them. How many people have they, you know, I, in my whole life, and I'm almost 70, in my whole life, I never knew anybody that died of a vaccine. I now know four in this one year. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen Guillain-Barre myself. I mean, I've heard about it. I read about it, studied about it. I, I trained in a neurologic hospital in London, England. 800 beds, all neurologic. I never saw a case. I've seen a case, two cases now, bad cases. I mean, Again, the, the people that are that are actually taking care of, that's why nurses are starting to squeak, because they realize what's going on. You know, they've got a doctor up in Vancouver, somewhere in British Columbia. I think he's been sprung now. But he was incarcerated in a psychiatric hospital after 13 stillborn babies were born in a Vancouver hospital in one day. I know from my OBGYN friend, she's only seen four stillborns in 30 years of practice. Wow. So things are happening around the world that you cannot just keep writing off. This, this, the athletes dying. I mean, well, yeah. I, well, I want to. Well, we got to go to news, but when we come back, yeah. I want to even talk about that pilot that ejected over the uh, over in Ch- uh, the China Sea uh, of that F twenty two or F thirty five one. But he had some kind of event, and uh, I want to talk about those things and get you to explain that. But we got to go to news, okay? So we'll sure. be right back. Uh, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I have Dr. Lee Merritt. Her website, by the way, is Dr. Lee, L-E-E, Merritt, M-E-R-R-I-T-T. Or you can just Google the Medical Rebel. A lot of good information there. And we'll come back with more information uh, after the news break. You're listening to SWAT Radio. We'll be right back. Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and uh, I have Dr. Lee Merritt on. And uh, Dr. Merritt, two years ago when we had you on, you you helped educate us a little bit about mRNA vaccine technology. And you talked about when they tried to use it uh, back, I think, in 2011 or 2012, 
right? Was it is that when they tried to use it the first time with animals? This, this type of mRNA technology. Well, they did it in animals before that, way back into the you know early two thousands, maybe even before. And then, but we didn't do. We've never done human trials until we were using these things for oncolytic, like cancer and gene therapy. And that was that's been maybe the last decade. But you told me, I think I remember you saying that ferrets and uh, cats that, that, that got it all ferrets, died? cats, mice, monkeys, yeah, they, got, they all had bad things happen to them. Uh, it's not 100% fatality. I think the cats were 100%. And they, and they had what we're seeing already. We, said, we, we read these articles. Those of us who can read science, again, we read these articles early on because we were just trying to figure out what they were talking about doing. And we stumbled across this stuff. And, and I went back in time to try and find some of the earliest stuff in the veterinary literature about what happened to the cats. Mm. And basically, it's, it's, it's what's happening now. Um, you know, there was a, uh, it was, it was a um, uh, antibody-dependent enhancement. They called it immune enhancement back mm. then. Mm-hmm. But we, they didn't do well. And it's, and it's been for the same reason that we've been warning about for this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and so, so explain that real quick. Antibody immune enhancement. What is that? Well, basically, you give you give a uh, one of these vaccines, and it doesn't. It's not always just RNA vaccine. It can happen with other types of vaccines for certain types of pathogens. Okay, it's not just the the, the technology of the vaccine. That's one thing. But when you give when we have a false again, we have a false sense of identity about these antibodies. Antibodies don't always solve the problem. We're, the, what really you want for these kind of illnesses is robust tissue immunity, which you don't test for. But you see viral vaccine researchers, to sell vaccines, they have to have an objective endpoint, and they've chosen that antibodies. The problem is your body can produce, if, if you get too many antibodies or too little antibodies, it's, it gives you a problem, and your body then has these bad reactions where it gets all inflamed because your antibody, it kind of sets you up for either an enhanced immune overshoot by the same virus or by a different virus. We have different names for these things. But you, it's, it can be a dangerous scenario. And, for example, the lungs on the ferret got all inflamed. Mm-hmm. They, they had essentially what we're looking at, these people with the you know, COVID, they, they, they get like a histamine reaction of, of where it's like an infl- not an infection in their lungs as much as it is an inflammation, really bad, sudden, like, like imagine if you have a bee sting and you're one of these people that your whole face swells up, your tongue swells up, you can't breathe. That's the kind of reaction we're talking about. Okay. It's happening kind of focally in your lungs. You don't see it in the face here, but you see it in the lungs. So that can happen. And, and we've seen it. We saw it right away in humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, young doctor in Tennessee died that way, a bunch of people. And we've seen it in other vaccines. So you see, this is why we, the physicians uh, that started speaking out early, like myself, we just suggested caution. We didn't have all the facts at first, but we said, just be cautious. You know, every time they've tried this, they tried it with respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, in children. And it was a disaster. It killed all these children. And it was just the same mechanism. So it's a... It's a mechanistic problem, you know, besides the fact, again, that's just one problem. If you go back in the literature, even just as far back as 2018, 
you'll find that they were really, really worried about what they call uh, cationic lipids. Mm. Now, they love them. They love these cationic lipids because they help get genetic material into your cell. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing here with this type of RNA technology. They'd love, you know, the, 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 the researchers are all say, oh, it's just great stuff. Look, we put this cationic lipid in, your, in this membrane, and then we can shoot this stuff into the cell. It's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. But then outside of the vaccine community, everybody else has been trying that, says, you know, the cationic lipids, the problem is they're highly toxic. Mm -hmm. And they do these things like cause blood clotting. <laughs> you know, but they didn't solve. And, and the last thing you read about it, they didn't solve that until we rolled this out on human beings all over the earth. And what are we seeing? All this blood clotting and all these things, bad things happening. So it's not like we didn't have a warning. We had a warning. We mm. didn't pay attention. We did not pay attention. Mm. Well, well, uh, I don't know if you saw about the F-35 that crashed, but uh, I, yeah. I, I, got, I got an email from a friend who said that uh, that there was a, the pilot, a Navy fighter pilot, was trying to make a carrier landing, and he was disabled in mid-flight with intense chest pain. He said right. as if somebody right. hit him with a baseball bat, he was ordered to wave off, and he used an expletive over the radio and said vaccine and then punched out. And, and then he was debriefed, and it was found that he uh, – basically had myocarditis an acute case of myocarditis and um and you know this is one guy you know but there uh, that, that that one guy uh, of a lot of military guys that were forced to take it and so one of the questions that i've been asked a lot is how do you get the spike protein out of your body if you've taken the vaccine right Let's back up. I just want to make one correction here. Okay. Nobody was forced to take this. Let's just be honest. Everybody's got to wake up and realize force is when they tie you down and jab you. They're not doing that. Okay. They're coercing people. Okay. And people are not making a reasonable risk-benefit assessment because they're not being told the truth. Had they been told ahead of time, you know, you have a choice. If you don't take it, your career is over in the military. But if you take it, you have a risk of, of increased cardiomyopathy, I mean, cardiomyocarditis, increased uh, cancer, increased bleeding, thrombocytopenia, and all these bad things. What do you want to do? Mm. You know, they were not given informed consent. So that's, that's really where we are in this thing. And, um, but, but now we're in a situation where we violated every, and you as a Marine pilot, you know, we violated every principle of, of uh, Navy flight surgeon protocols for pilots, right? What do they used to do? I mean, I was never a Navy flight surgeon. I was, I was a general medical officer, but I was on a Marine air base everywhere I went. And I can tell you as a surgeon, as a, I knew these guys. And they were, first of all, pilots are the most highly screened. They don't have heart attacks. They're the most highly screened, healthy people in the world. You know, you guys were wandering around and your worst fear is you might sniffle or sneeze in front of a flight surgeon and uh, be taken off the flying schedule, uh, right? Yeah. So these guys are not getting, these guys don't normally have problems like this. And they were at a very low risk from COVID. Okay, very low risk. But what did they do? They, and we should talk about the national security issue here, they violated every principle because the flight surgeons used to tell me, um, no, you can't give a pilot anything that hasn't been on the market for five years and totally proven to be safe. What they do, they give them an experimental vaccine against their will mm -hmm. of people that had low risk. So this is, this is you got to think, is the enemy inside the wire here? I mean, I think so, but, the, but that's a, that's, it's, a, it's 
And they did it after we already had episodes of pilots, civilian pilots, dying, one in the cockpit. Hmm. You know, we've had a bunch of civilian pilots uh, get get sick and talk about it um, with these very same things. Hmm. We had now the AOPA magazine, the uh, airline, what is it? Airline uh, Pilots Association. Uh, pilots Association, huh? Yeah. It's a, anyway, and they, and they it, like, lots of commercial and private pilots are members. And they looked at their members. In 2019, there, were, there was one pilot death. In 2020, there were 19 pilot deaths. In 2021, there were 111 pilot deaths. Let's draw a curve there. Mm-hmm. So, so this was just, and, and you know, uh, Teresa Long in the Army, Lieutenant Colonel Long, a friend of mine, and she, I mean, she, God love her, she, she did the right thing. She said they all ought to be grounded. Mm-hmm. You can't keep doing this. She tried to scream, and she was the only unvaccinated medical officer in the preventive medicine department of the army that she knew Hmm. what is going on here so again this is this is it just defies all rationality and i'm so glad the guy uh went hot on the mic to to spill the beans because it would have been hushed up deeper than the gulf of tonkin Hmm. i mean this would have been hushed up if he hadn't said that Mm-hmm. And that's what. And now he's going to be in the hospital for a while, presumably. Hopefully, he can be salvaged. So keep in mind, I want to keep in mind, in the military at the time that I looked at it, had access to it before. We only lost twenty people to COVID in all of 2020, up until like August or September. In and then as this vaccine rollout has gone on. We have we have already gotten in 2021. I think it was 20. It was 20 people in all of 2020. We lost in all the military services put together. Mm-hmm. In 2021, we actually had by August or September, we had over 600 excess cases of myocarditis above the baseline. You know, mm-hmm. we usually have about 700 cases military wide. Mm-hmm. That may also be from vaccines, by the way. That may be unnecessary, but at least that's our baseline. And now we've got 600 extra. Now there's a 50 to 60 percent higher mortality. So conservatively, we've killed more more than 20 times the number of people that COVID did in our military just on that one diagnosis. Yeah. Well, well, there's there were six and the people just starting. Well, the cancer and all the, the neurological stuff. But but so what do you oh, yeah. do? I know you on your website, you do yeah. have a, a link about uh, remorse. But what is can anybody get the uh, the protein out of their system once it's in, once it's injected in? Well, I'll tell you, I think there are three aspects of this to be concerned about. The first aspect is the clotting and the and the um, the charge aspect. The, w- one of the things this cationic lipid does, strips electrons from your bloodstream has to go through, I think. I can't prove that, but I can tell you it's an electron stripper, and... I can tell you that it's the electrons that keep your blood from getting into these Rouleau formations. And so I, and, and it, you know, it's, it's happening. We give this vaccine and then we see this right away that your, your blood kind of fills, even if you're not having overt clots, you're having these little, uh, instead of being free floating, the, the, the electrical charges around the red blood cells are getting stripped off mm-hmm. and they're, and they're now kind of clumping together in these Rouleau, what they call Rouleau formations look like a stack of coins. Okay. The red blood cells are stacking up on each other. And some of those people go along to have overt clots. So that's the first thing people should worry about. And if I if I had taken the vaccine, uh, I would take I would get a D dimer test. I would get some blood battery, and I would you can go to a cash lab probably and get a D dimer test and make sure it's very low. 
Make sure that's a test for clotting. Because a lot of people don't have overt clots, but they're doing microvascular clotting, and we need to know about those people early. So that's number one. And there's, I have on my website, I'm not telling you this to sell you a product, but I got the product because I've used it for years, and it turns out it's awesome for this. It restores the electrical balance in your bloodstream, it appears. It's carbon-60, and it's, a, it's the opposite of graphene and opposite of these cationic lipids. It's an electron donor. So you kind of undo that problem. I think that's a really good thing to do. Okay. Um, and I've heard some other things that, that donate electrons, and I can't think of it right now, but I think there's some other things to do. The other thing is, the next thing is, though, is um, the spike protein, like you say. This thing makes it all over your body. Now, the thing that's going to stop it from being made is a good immune system. So what, this is the time to get serious about your diet and your health. Don't eat junk food. Uh, alcohol sl- slows down your immune system. Good water, good food and a balanced nutritional program of supplements and things that you need. And I've got, you know, like I put together several things into this, what I call the immune stack. And and for me, it's not just zinc, not the ones you normally hear about. It's, just not, it's got zinc and quercetin and um, selenium. Hmm. But it's also got an NAC. But it's, I mean, it's got NAC, quercetin, and zinc everybody hears about. But I added two things, and that is selenium. Now, why selenium? Because this... Spike protein has got HIV inserts in it, okay? And what happened to the HIV guys? The gay community started becoming positive with this HIV, and they said that's what causes AIDS. Whether it does or not, what we know is that Fauci's guys probably killed a bunch of people with this AZT that made it worse. But selenium made it better. In the studies on, on, these, on the gay community that were getting HIV positive, if they gave them enough selenium to saturate their plasma, they didn't proceed on to AIDS. Well, I think selenium is key here. And I heard Dr. Butar say that in the realm of viruses, that selenium is birth control for viruses, if you believe in viruses. So that's a whole other story. But, <laughs> but, the, but it does do something good for our immune system. So selenium. And the other thing I have in there is, uh, is betaine. Now, I learned this from Judy Mikovits because I said, what's happening? She told me, she said, what's happening? Why we're getting cancer? There, and there's probably multi-reasons. But the, one of the big reasons is that we're not methylating right. This that we they kind of hinted that the vaccine researchers kind of hinted about the fact that they had to dumb down our ability to methylate things methylation is a chemical process in the body where you deposit methyl groups onto things it's one of the things that can cause nerve problems if you don't methylate well people more and more people are becoming aware of this they're mthfr deficient and first time i heard that i had no clue what the patient was talking about she says i'm mthfr deficient because they're going out and getting these genetic tests but what it means is you don't methylate well and if you don't methylate well, a couple things happen when you take this vaccine. One is you can get the neurologic problems that can kill you. Um, you're more at risk of that. But the other thing is when you don't methylate well, methylation, you drop these methyl groups somehow, according to Judy Mikovits, onto your DNA in such a way it binds down the, the cancer genes in your genome. You know, we all have like people are, are heard about the BRCA gene, the BRCA1 gene that causes or gives you a, an increased risk of breast cancer. And some women, it's such an increased risk, they'll actually have mastectomies before they have cancer just to avoid it. But it's really about your genome not being controlled. Mm-hmm. You know, you had that gene in your system when you were 10, but you didn't get breast cancer. Why do you get it at 50? Because your, your immune system's going down. Mm-hmm. And they've artificially dumbed down our immune system some way in these things. So one way to help that is give yourself betaine, or it's trimethylglycine. It's a, it's a methyl donor. Okay. So 
in chemistry, if you if you load the if you load one end of the equation, it pushes it to the other side. So if I want more methylation, give me more methyl groups. It's one way to, to maybe counter it. I'm not saying we have the exact answer. I'm not saying all this is going to work, but this is what we're thinking. Now, finally, I got to tell you though, the, the, and and here's another one. You might have heard Terry Made, um, who's with me on the five docs, and she's been very uh, forward thinking about and looking in her microscope at what comes in these so-called vaccines. And she's seen things that she thought were alive Mm -hmm. and she's not alone. Other people have seen these things too, and they think it might be Hydra. Uh, We know that there's a possibility of poorly poor quality vaccine production being contaminated with mycoplasma, but I don't think anybody's ever seen Hydra in it. Well, it turns out that Hydra, it sounds preposterous and it sounds like, oh, this is just too much for the invasion of the body snatchers. But people should go into the basic science research and they can find out that we've been experimenting giving pieces of Hydra to people because it binds with our immune system and can, or not our our nerve system, and can bridge gaps. So people with nerve damage, Parkinson's patient, that's what the experiments are being done about. so, so this isn't completely science fiction fantasy. This is science fiction fact. Now, if that's in there, um, one of the ways you can, and I found this early on, but now they've scrubbed the Internet from it, which says it's probably true, is nitazoxanide. Uh, nitazoxanide you can get from an Indian pharmacy or, or Mexico or someplace, but now that I'm talking about it, you might not be able to. But <laughs> yeah. it's, that it's, a, it's, it's something they use to clean out hydra from fish tanks. I just looked it up one day, and it, six months ago it was available. Now you can't find that literature. But, but, but nitazoxanide is a very benign, it's, it's a low, I mean, I don't even know that it has a known side effect. But what they do know is it'll get rid of beef tapeworm and some of these tough parasites better than anything we else we've had. Mm. And uh, it's a three-day course. It's boom, 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 six pills done. So and, and what's it called again? What's that called? It's, it's, it's on my site. It's called nitazoxanide, N-I-T-A-Z-O-X-A-N-I-D-E, nitazoxanide. Okay. Finally, finally, and this is in your realm more than, more than what I can talk about, but finally, there's one thing that we just can't solve in medicine, and that is if they've actually been doing gene deletion from your DNA, which does look like that's what's going on. But these are gene-deleting non-vaccines. They're made to alter humans. They're making you a transhuman. They're getting into your nucleus. That's been established by the MIT, by MIT and now a, a big study. Where was it? Was it Japan or someplace else? It just did a big study and said, no, we can actually show that it's getting 60% of those spike proteins ends up in your nucleus of your cell. That's where your DNA lives, okay? Your God-given DNA. And we don't want that to be altered, but it's being altered with this. Mm. So how we get rid of that, I really don't know other than prayer. Uh, this is where we're fighting a spiritual war, and people need to understand that we're under attack. So when I hear that there are churches putting up uh, tents for people to have vaccination parties and all this kind of stuff, this is insane. Hmm. You know, yeah. you know, we were born, we were, we we're creatures of God, and, and our DNA is really our, you know, I think that's how we interact with God, how our, it, it's, it's spirit and water come together somehow to make humans. And its DNA is the interface there. And to, to mess with it, you know, that old commercial about it's not good to, it's not good to fool Mother Nature. Yeah. And they were just talking about margarine or something, yeah. you know. We should be paying attention. Why on earth would we 
want our children to be transformed. And what are we seeing? We're already seeing incredible rates now come out of miscarriages and of stillbirths, and it's going to be um, uh, sterility is the one that you're going to see hit next because it hasn't had enough time to really catch on, but I'm already hearing the rumors. Well, you know, you told me uh, we got about five minutes left, and I really want to address this because a lot of people have been testing. So I know one person that tested like 25 times, and then they go, I finally got COVID. You know, I was negative all these times, and I finally got it. And and I, but I guess I got Omicron. <laughs> what? Yeah, it, it, just, just just tell us about this. I mean, like people have symptoms. We're okay. having things going on. Is yeah. is this just a really bad cold? Is it a light flu uh, that they're just calling well, COVID? Let's, let's keep in mind that we don't have a test that works. We don't have an isolate. We really don't know what this is. Okay, in any particular case. Now, keep in mind we we didn't start being sick in 2020, right? What, it's in 20, think about what you got. If in 2015, what would you have had? It's, we didn't, this, this is, there are three things, though, that are new here, okay, in 20, that we didn't have in 2015. We don't have a spike protein, bioweapon. So, mm-hmm. yes, that can cause these symptoms. Number two is graphene oxide poisoning. If you took the vaccine, there's two reasons you could get COVID-like symptoms. One is because you've been showered with these stupid nanotoxic particles, and second, because you've been showered with graphene oxide, which is highly toxic, as well as these cationic lipids, highly toxic. So you've taken a very toxic substance into your body, and it's multiplying in your body. So that, those are the two reasons that they're, they're getting sick. And that's the majority of hospitalization and death right now. In spite of what they're telling you, they're redefining unvaccinated. If you take one vaccine, you're considered unvaccinated. If you take the second vaccine a month later, you're still considered unvaccinated. 13 days after your second vaccine, you're still considered unvaccinated. And then on the 14th day, you're magically considered vaccinated right up until there's another um, variant announced and a new booster, and then you're considered unvaccinated again. You see what they've done? Mm-hmm. They've redefined the uh, vaccinated as unvaccinated so the death count doesn't show up as much. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're doing. Don't let them kid you. But the whole thing of variants is nonsense. It is nonsense. Don't, don't, and stop testing. But the third thing that would do it is the 5G. And the 5G we know a couple facts on. There's actually lots of literature about cellular radiation and damage it does to the system. And again, the final common pathway is electromagnetic fields strip the electrons from your the parts of your cell that could create create uh, power. Mm-hmm. And so um, we are all becoming less efficient metabolizers of our food as we live in more and more electromagnetic frequency environments. It's mm-hmm. that simple. So. Um, and, and make people don't realize that not only did, was flu never shown to be transmissible, flu flu season didn't exist until we laid down the telegram lines. <laughs> it's when we started electrifying our ionosphere that all this stuff happened. Now, I'm not saying go back and be a troglodyte and get rid of all the electronics, but we need to be doing it smart, and we need to stop 5G, absolutely. We don't need 5G. The only people that need 5G are the people that want to connect your brain to the Internet of Things. Well, and you know, the thing, one of the things that, that scares me is the Chinese are the leaders in 5G. They're the ones who are really leading the way in 5G, you know. Uh, well, they were, but they've turned it off now. I heard they turned it off. India has turned it off. Oh, really? You know, yeah. Now, and, and, and again, I think we're at a war, but it's not a war with the Chinese. The Chinese are just one of the action arms of the, of the globalist cartel that owns the pharmaceutical. Keep in mind, 150 guys control 70 to 80 percent of the world's corporate wealth, mm-hmm. and they can do a lot of stuff to us if they want to. Mm-hmm. 
what we're, you know, I, I, that's, that's, that's provable just from financial records. So, um, I mean, the, the, the issue here is though, that the 5g makes everything else worse. Mm. So whatever you used to get sick with, and now you're in a 5g environment, it's going to magnify it because it damages your immune system. We we, there's a been a rat study, for example, where they put these animals into a 5g environment within five days, they had 50% decrease in their white cells. That's your immediate immune system. And it opens up your blood-brain barrier, also not a good thing, allows toxic things into the brain. So mm. there is nothing good to be said about this. And, and that's why we are in an extinction-level event. Mm. People need to wake up, stop looking at this like this is every day. Yeah, I'll just, take, I'll just go quit, get the vaccine because you know, I always got my flu shot. Well, that probably wasn't good either. But this is now, keep in mind, you're being, giving a vaccine that was designed from, the, from, from a, a genetic a, a, an in silico computer genetic sequence uploaded from the Chinese from one patient and taken to our uh, people like Fauci who downloaded it and immediately within hours produced a vaccine. Mm-hmm. That's what we're dealing with. And they're using it against our military. And that would be my final point is, you know, that aren't using this RNA technology vaccine, I'll give you a guess, the mm-hmm. Russians and the Chinese. Wow. Yeah. yeah Cause they're using a, a different in- one. Well, well, listen, and they're not forcing they're not forcing their militaries to get them. Yeah, Uh, they're not. Well, well, hey, Dr. Dr. Mayor, we got to go. We're we're out of time. It's hard to believe. But I want to tell people about your website one more time. Dr. Lee Merritt, M-E-R-R-I-T-T dot com. You can go there. Click on her uh, important COVID information link. And uh, she's got a lot of good information, a lot of good articles. She's got some good supplements on there as well. And uh, Dr. Merritt, thank you for your time on this Thursday. Thank you for your research and uh, just for sharing some time and your thoughts with us today, okay? Always nice to talk to you, Doug. Thank you. Yeah, hey, if you're listening out there, please pray for Dr. Merritt uh, and uh, what she's doing out there. She is taking a stand for truth. And uh, there's a lot of people that don't like that. So keep her and her family lifted up in your prayers. And uh, we will be back tomorrow with Taylor. And we'll be talking about this and other stuff we talked about this week on SWAT Radio. Have a good evening. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening 